Hello, and welcome to episode 165 of Flicks in a Six. I'm one of your hosts, Anthony Costanzo, with me, forever and always, the man, the myth, the sommelier, Alessandro Boyelsi. Say hello, Al. This is a story about one, and it's starring actor Chris Pine. No. <laughs> oh, you're, that's it? You're done? I, I was really hoping. I said no, but what I meant was, please keep going. <laughs> uh, that was fantastic. That may have been the longest comedic payoff that I've ever set up in my life. Oh, what did you do, like, I, three oh, weeks I set, ago? Yeah, I set this up weeks ago. Oh, this I, is the one that you Yes, said. yeah. Wow. There what, was a, did there this, was a did story this to you like in the middle of the night like how did this come about Okay yeah so we were going to watch this movie so this obviously the song you know if you're listening to this is about the movie we're doing this week Bottle Shock So the way I came across this movie that ended up in us doing it was uh, my brother Dominic has been on the show several times as both guest host and peanut gallery and mm-hmm. also sometimes sleeping um his girlfriend um her father is not a huge wine drinker and we had a wine and cheese evening around the holidays, uh, Christmas time. And he really enjoyed some of the wine that we brought. In fact, mm. so much so that he went and bought one of them. And he's like, I never really buy wine for myself. He goes, and especially not red. He goes, but that one was so good. I went and bought it. He goes, he went on to then tell us a story that he, about a movie he really enjoyed about a very specific story of wine history. And he's like, you guys have to watch this movie. It's really good. You know, so we sat down like three months later to watch this movie. And the whole family plus Dominic's girlfriend was going to watch the movie together. And Gianna had been out all day and she came in and she's like, oh, I don't really want to sit down and watch a movie or whatever. Like, come on. Like, it'll be, you know, she's like, well, what's this movie? She goes, I'll, I'll, I'll sit down and watch it with you. But if it bores me, I'm going upstairs. I'm like, okay. Fair enough. So it's called Bottle Shock. She goes, okay, what is it? We're like, uh, I don't know. It's about the history of wine. She goes, uh, who's it? You know, okay, you know, Bill Pullman, you know, Chris Pine, Alan Rickman. She goes, I don't know. I was like, come on, just sit down, watch a movie. I said, right. it's, I said, I said, I said, this is, and it realized the way I delivered it kind of came out in the cadence. I was like, a story about wine. And it, that now it's just yeah, all clicking. Nice. It was like, and it's starring actor. But that, then I sung the second line and she, she goes, Honestly, I don't know why you don't work in marketing somewhere. Because <laughs> I always do these stupid things where I come up with these little two-line jig- Like, I couldn't write a whole song, but, like, sure. I can co-opt stuff that already exists into clever different ways. Al's jingles. I want all intros from this point forward to be a jingle. No, but I have to be inspired. I, I It's when I least expect it. That it how, like many times have, how many times have I seussed on this, this show where unexpected I rhyme stuff that's how it comes to me it's totally unintentional and then I discover it or I don't discover it and someone else does and thinks I'm doing it on purpose (laughs) I uh I've lost where we're oh right say hello Al (laughs) (laughs) I'm not saying it again (laughs) on this week's episode we're gonna cover Loki what we're reading what we're watching along with some other news and nuggets all before diving into our flick of the week bottle shock as mentioned but first Al a bit of housekeeping. TheSpinTune.com has been updated significantly. It looks yeah. far better. You can listen to the shows on it very easily. And um, including from the mobile site, which was the real struggle before this. That's correct. Because it was actually fine to access the show from a desktop. Right, right. But yeah, it's been improved across the board. And on top of that, there are now multiple ways for you to submit requests to us for movies that you would like us to review or nuggets that you would like us to discuss. 
You could either email us at flicksintheSix at thespintune.com, tweet us at thespintune, or hit the contact us button at the bottom of the page. Uh, we just There's forms on the site now. Just hit us up. We like to engage with the audience. Uh, we're always looking for recommendations. So let us know what you want us to cover. I actually really like the new font in the body of the stories. Thank you. It's classy. It is classy. Elegant. It's called Poppins. So I was right. Classy and elegant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Al, what are we drinking? Um, we are drinking, after a <laughs> false start, <laughs> a Newberg beer. Just not the one that I th- initially selected. That's right. did approximately one year ago. Right? In unrelated news, I have a new beer for a random consumption. <laughs> yeah, I think we did that beer like three days after the lockdown started <laughs> nationwide. <laughs> wow. wow. Um, so anyway, um, we are drinking Newberg Brewing's Mojito Madness, also known as Molitor Madness. Um, <laughs> this is one of the litmus test series, which they do once or twice a year for the last several years, um, which is a sour ale series. Um, it's got kind of a Rick and Morty looking scientist on the front. And uh, yep. he's doing all sorts of chemistry and experience, uh, experiments here. He's got a, a frothy uh, beer stein next to him. I do love, I love the crooked, the askew mustache. As well. Word as, associated all over the mustache. <laughs> also, as well, the askew safety goggles on top of right. it. Or it's in the opposite direction. Eyes in different directions. So, straight up crazy eyes. Yes. Um, I like the little periodic Big table Daddy. of elements. Mr. Deeds, Mr. Deeds. I like the uh, the periodic table of elements uh, yep. square with the Mojito Madness, uh, the number six, because this is the sixth in the series, MJ, mm-hmm. with the little, the lime and the mint leaves up top. Plus and the two a, glasses cheersing inside of the, on the chalkboard. I yes. Like um, there's uh, all sorts of little doodles looking like he was working at a chemical equation uh, of the litmus test, but it's to tell us that it's juicy, fruity, tart, mm-hmm. lime, refreshing, and mint. It's, I, I imagine so, based on the name and the wonderful scent that is coming from my glass. Al, I'm just noticing that this logo says <laughs> brewed. <laughs> I was thinking about saying it when you said that the two glasses were clicking, and I was waiting to see if you would instead do it after. Uh, I'm really excited to give this one a try, so yeah. let's go for it. This one's a uh, 4.5% alcohol by volume. This was an, The litmus test, unfortunately, only ever comes in 12 ounces. So. No, it's a shame. Cheers. Cheers. It smells very sour. That's really good. Confirmed sour. That is um, fun. What did I? I used an adjective to describe the beer before we started. Exciting. I don't remember. Fun. There was a lot going on right before we got going. But uh, it's it's all of those things and more. It's very tasty. Yeah. Um. Full disclosure. I have drank like two of these already, like several months ago. Forgot I gave this one actually to Anthony. I couldn't remember if this is one of the ones that I did or did not give to him. And so mm. I had them floating, the, the two that I had remaining floating in the in-between zone between the beers I can drink and the beers I can't drink because of show. Um, this is, I think this was the type of beer that once I drank the whole thing and it was a little on the warm side, I was like, okay, I'm done with this. But mm. when it's ice cold right off at the start, it yeah. is it is a outside. A little cornhole. This would definitely be a good outdoor spring. Like, actually, like we're drinking it at the perfect time. Like, drinking it today outside would have been mm-hmm. delightful. Yes. Or said, right now around the fire pit. Yeah. Yeah. I sat outside and got so- soaked up some rays today. Um, full okay. disclosure to, to those listening, because it's been since 
after the last recording. Uh, I've been in COVID quarantine for the past 10 days. Um, I went a little crazy, but uh, thankfully, <laughs> the worst symptom I had was I felt a little weak one day. And, hmm. you know, it was coughing up a little bit of gross stuff like last week. But uh, sure. that's actually not that different from like my normal day to day anyway when I'm not sick. So these are the results for a half vaccinated man. Yes. So I don't know if I was lucky or just because I had the first shot or whatever, but you know, sure. really not too much in the way of symptoms and I didn't give it to anyone. So that's good. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm going back to work tomorrow. So nice. Be good. Um, nice. As we'll get into in the news and nuggets portion soon. Um, I, engaged in many different forms of media to keep myself from going insane because <laughs> my first day of quarantine last Tuesday was a pleasant day. It was a little breezy, but it was sunny and I sat outside for a few hours and that was nice. And then it rained the next two days and I was locked in my basement and in the, you know, the dark that I keep it down here so that the projector works for <laughs> like 16 hours a day. And by the end of the third day of that, I was ready to kill myself. So (laughs) I was trying to do much like muscle confusion and workouts. I was trying to confuse my brain with different forms of entertainment between reading and playing video (laughs) games and watching TV and watching movies. And like, there are definitely worse ways to spend your time, but it's a lot different when you decide to have a lazy day and do that and are forced to do that and are not allowed to walk around your house and also know that you have a week plus more of it ahead of you. (laughs) That is not great, but I'm glad you are on the other side of it now. Well, Uh, I mean like the last three days were way better because I could be outdoors and I could walk around. And also I knew that my parents were safe from me because they got tested after and they were negative. So I was also coming up um, past the point now where I was no longer probably contagious anymore. So sure. Having a little bit more human interaction was definitely much better. So I, um, going back to this beer here, uh, two things that we need to know. One, uh, as soon as it hits my lips, my mouth says something ridiculous and it just salivates like crazy. I don't know (laughs) if that's because it's been a very long time since I've had a beer, but it's good. Really good. I enjoyed a lot. Uh, the other thing, uh, I feel like it's everything that Bud Light Lime wants to be, but will never achieve. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's because it's got the actual, because, you know, Bud Light even has those, like, the Rita series, the Margarita series. Right. Um, but they aren't, they don't have the sour component to those. No, things. no, they don't. But there's also, sugar. like, they're so, so very clearly, like, lime zest straight up in this. Yes, real lime, and not fake lime. And it's really good. Yes. And I love it. Uh, where are you at thuckle wise? Um, I think this is probably a two thuckle beer. Two thuckle? And I'm, I might go, I think I'm going to go three thuckles for myself. I'm a big really? fan. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So you're I'm a bigger really, fan of this one than I am. I'm really enjoying this. Um, again, it could be because it's been a while since I had a beer, but it's very tasty and I want more of it. <laughs> uh, we'll see how, we'll see if a thuckle gets knocked off as it gets warmer throughout well, the Well, I have so. another one in the fridge, so if you'd like it, I'm happy to give it to you next time I see it. Oh, okay. Hey, sounds good to me. <laughs> Al's gonna give me beer. Yes. Well, I have. A, I have a few beer. Wow, I have a few beers um, kicking around, still waiting for the next uh, batch of show beers that mm. I have to deliver to you. Um, hopefully, now with it being nice out, and also 
you having your first vaccination right. and me having one vaccination and COVID and soon to have my second vaccination be nice and safe for everyone. So, Do you have to wait some extended period of time now? <sighs> I don't know. I know initially they were saying that you should wait some time. Now I know that the, the amount of time that they've said is like backed off to like a week or 10 days or something like that, which is basically going to line up perfectly when I was supposed to have the second shot anyway. So I don't oh. anticipate there being any issues. Fantastic. I want to, uh, one other thing that you, before, when you were saying the name of the beer, you said, uh, Mojito Madness, AKA, I forgot what you said, but it was an autocorrect. Molitor Madness. Yes. Molitor Madness. And as, in, the, as in Paul Molitor, the Hall of Fame baseball player. Uh, on autocorrect, on the topic of autocorrect, I was texting my sister and I decided that I'm just going to, to jam on the auto, autocomplete button over and over again and just send what comes out of that. And I'd like to share with you now the paragraph. Yeah, uh, you see out. those every once in a while on like Twitter or something like it's that. It's pretty fun. Like pretty type fun. a word and then do autocomplete until it completes a sentence or whatever. So I'm going to read this uh, <laughs> relatively quickly because there's no punctuation, obviously, so it's, it's hard to make it flow. So just bear with me. But it says, chocolate with one of those kind of sad, wide-eyed emojis. So it not only... It auto-completed that with the emoji and everything, yeah. which I thought was kind of funny. So it said, chocolate is the right direction to make a difference to what you do for you, and you have a nice little chocolate cake for the next day or so. I think you can get a drink with me if you're not like that, LOL. I don't think I can get you out there, and I'm going on the same time. And you know what? You do for you and the kids. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag for the kids. <laughs> I, I, uh, that, I found that to be very very silly. I, I, uh, I don't I know why do your autocorrect is so obsessed with chocolate. I will not I, make any judgments. But chocolate popped either. up two or three times in there, right? So yeah. Uh, Both chocolate and, and, and chocolate cake. some chocolate cake. I don't know. Who could say? Al, let's get into some news and nuggets. Okay. Where would you like to start? How about with what you're reading? Because I know you're, you're, you're plowing through some books. Yeah. Um, plowing through is the right way to go. So as... Per our last uh, episode, which was from a couple weeks ago, um, I had just finished the first book in the Expanse series, um, Leviathan Wakes. And mm. so I think a couple days later, I might have, you know, messed around and read like 20 pages or so of um, the next book, which is Caliban's War. And then a couple days after that, I was forced to quarantine and I read the entire rest of the book that day. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> all well all of the first four books are in the like 550 to 580 page range it seems like mm. or something like that um so anyway yeah so from tuesday to this is wednesday i have read books two three and four in that series plus like the first 50 pages of book five nemesis games um today so yeah i read about 1800 pages of worth of novel the past eight days Okay, so uh, you had the itch because you had been uh, off of it for a while. Are you are you going to burn out by the end of the series, do you think? No, because I think I would if I kept up the pace I was going, but now mm. going back to work, I will be backing off to a more reasonable pace. Um, sure. <laughs> um, there's no way I'm going to be reading more than like 20 to 50 pages a day outside of maybe on like a Saturday morning or something like that. So, um right. 
yeah, no, I imagine it'll probably take me a week or so, a week or 10 days to probably read this next book, um, which is a much more normal pace to be reading. than. Uh, yeah. no, don't get me wrong, I enjoyed those books. They cover almost perfectly. They shifted around a little bit, some of the, the timeline of the events or whatever, but the first four books of the series basically line up with the first four seasons of the show. So this one that I just started now basically lines up with the most recent season that came out a few months ago of the expanse. So it's all familiar territory. They were by and large, pretty true to the events. There were some characters who um, have either been like pushed around in how they acted or what they did in some specifics. Um, There was one character who's one of my favorite characters from the show who technically hasn't been introduced yet in the books. And I realized when reading it that the show version of her is actually a consolidation of like three characters from the books, like all of the most interesting parts of those characters. Mm. Um, So I'm sure I'll be slightly disappointed by the book version of that character because she got to do all the cool things in the show that were across like three or four different characters um, in the book. And one of my other favorite characters was introduced in this book, more or less how he was on the show. But he is wildly different in the book. Not a fan of him in the book. He was, mm. I thought, a very nuanced and interesting character on the show. And he's kind of just a prick on the in the book, which oh, is disappointing. That's kind of lame. But my other of the th- my kind of three favorite characters, um, while she has way less screen time in the books than on the show, she is every bit the character she was on the show. And she is hilarious. She gets most of the best lines in the books. Basically just being a cranky old bitch (laughs) but like in a fun way (laughs) because like you're rooting for (laughs) her cause so um and she's just funny because she's like one of those like no filtered like get out of my way you know you're either with me or you're 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 in my way type of thing like not that you're my enemy per se but just i don't have time for you not not full anakin you know if you're not with me against me you're against me but more just Get out of my face. <laughs> it's more like a Mona Lisa Saberstein. Why are you still here? <laughs> yeah, kind of. But with much more colorful language. Who are you talking some... to? The Jagley. <laughs> <laughs> she has a lot of colorful turns of phrases, most of which are very vulgar, which uh, always interesting. So, um, yeah. yeah, no, but I've uh, obviously been enjoying the show. Out of it. I think, by and large, my enjoyment of each season of the show more or less matches up with my enjoyment of each of the books. So cool. Like that's been pretty consistent. Um, I would say that they've really been quite true to it with just, just some expansion. Sometimes there's characters who have gotten actually point of views for certain books. What? Just some expansion. Yes. Um, (laughs) I I do that all the time. You know, they subtly use the term, the word expanse or expansion throughout the books too. And every time I go, ha, they said it, <laughs> yes. um, but uh, yeah, no, they, uh, there was a, a handful of characters who got points of view who were either super background characters in the show or didn't really exist, um, who were there because from a world building perspective, it allows them to tell different because there's more than two factions in this. Ultimately, there ends up being three or four or five, depending on what's going on. And so this allowed them to tell the story. You never really, at least up until the point that's coming now, actually, in the books, it's hard to say that any one faction's ever the true good guy or bad guy. There are people 
or good guys and bad guys, but it's hard to say that right. any one of them, at least ones that have characters represented through points of view, are the quote unquote good or bad. It's an interesting way to, to write it, you know, because you can yeah, have like a, that. cool. a faction, even who you think is bad, but the character whose point of view is good. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or there's a faction who's good, but the, the character whose point of view it is, is maybe not so good or has to travel down an arc of redemption and all that. It's very conflicted and, and nuanced and fairly laid out amongst all of it, which to me is really good writing. I think you would very much like the Last of Us series of games. Mm. Hopefully it translates well. well. Basically read them all through Brian's writing <laughs> on the topics. So yeah. I, I, I get what you're getting at. Like this it's interesting, conflicted. The good it's, guys do bad things and the bad guys do good yeah, things. It's very, it's a lot, there's a lot of gray. There's a lot of gray. <laughs> but uh it's uh, it's pretty solid. That's awesome. I'm glad you're enjoying it. I uh I've been making some progress as of late on Ready Player Two. I for I've been getting up very early lately. For very early for me. I used to um uh, now I'm kind of been getting up around six six thirty, which is for mm. me is early, uh, and it leaves me with a lot of time in the morning. So I have my look my little morning routine, and what I was doing was having some some like lemon water, and I was mm. sitting down, I was reading uh, Ready Player Two, and I was I was kind of burning through it, and then uh, then I was like, oh, you know what I want to do this morning? Well, I'm gonna play a little bit of a, a game that I've been wanting to play. And I did that, and then I did that for the next few mornings, and I beat that game, and then I started another game. I was like, so the the book, <laughs> I'm like, I'm close to the end of the book, but I've like, it, it's kind of taken a backseat. I will say, uh, now that things are finally happening, it's it's getting better. Well, typically when not, there's events going on, yeah, books, it's still not good, like as good as the first one. I don't think it doesn't have the same draw that the first one had because. That there are some cool concepts that they're playing with. One of my the, my biggest problem was like set like it starts off like they have to find these seven shards and I'm like seven seven feels like a lot like it just three three like, three was a pretty perfect number for the first one <laughs> yeah. right yeah and it's just like every every time they get one it's just like another three chapters getting the next one and it's like oh my god and uh, it was getting a little rough and then when we finally like got enough that the story started to progress I was like. Okay, now I'm now I'm getting interested again. So we'll see how it plays out. But, Seven ends up being one of those f- interesting numbers where like it takes on relevance for. Re- I mean, it, uh, that goes all the way back biblically, I guess. Seven for whatever reason has a hold in our in like like people's collective minds. Yeah. So even when you take something like Harry Potter, where it's like seven Horcruxes, it's like, but hang on, guys, we already destroyed three of them. So really, that's right. Four. And like the next, it's, it's like okay, four. Yeah, up I can the do next that, few you know? books, like yeah, it's fine. It's no big deal. Four. This, we can do four. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Four's four's great. Uh, with this, it was like first one, second one, third one, fourth. One, and I imagine each one. time there's a bit of a pause to reset the board. Yeah, and, all and that. then it's like the sixth one was actually in uh, Lord of the Rings territory, so it was kind of fun. Nice. nice. But uh, it was like the sixth and seventh, and I was like, even you gave up! They were both both in the same spot? Uh, That was a tease. They were not. And then there was another one, but that one was like, I don't know, maybe 15 pages, and they just kind of grabbed it. Like, it was... (laughs) It wasn't that big. Well, I think they were probably like... Okay, I don't think it's this fake ass gonna sit well with everyone. So let's kind of get down <laughs> <Right>. to business. <laughs> so I'm 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 still working through that, but I'll I wonder I wonder if I'll be done with that by the next time we record. Probably not. We'll see. It depends on how these games are going. Well, it sounds like you're kind of doing the thing. I tend to do that too. I might even say with like quote unquote good things because I know you're kind of so so on the, the overall quality of the book, but you're overall enjoying the experience or whatever, right? 
Um, when there's something that I really tend to enjoy, because this ends up being like things that are like really like like close to me that uh, for my enjoyment, especially longer form things like a TV show. Sometimes I won't finish it for a while because it won't end. Then you know. <laughs> oh, then, yeah, I I I don't feel that way about most things. I'm I'm okay. I kind of I like that things end. That I I'm I feel like I'm in the minority there. Um, and I, yes, I like getting to the end and it being over. I'm, I like to sit after the fact. But I'm saying it's it's reserved for very specific things because, like, I'm going to mention two shows I did this to, and you're immediately going to understand the connection there. Um, okay. That happened with me with the final seasons of The Americans and of Hannah. I sure. didn't want them to end because they mm-hmm. are two of my favorite shows of all time. Um, whereas, as much as I loved Game of Thrones, I wanted it to end when it was mm. getting down to the end of it. And that has less to do with, you know, not loving the show and just more not loving what was happening at that point in the show. Um, right. So, you know, it's just, you know, sometimes it happens where it's like, Oh no. Or even when I finished mass effect three, I raced through the game. And then when it became quite obvious, it was almost done. I didn't want it to end. Right. You know, and I actually <laughs> I, kind I can of see that walked away for like a week and like, didn't play it. And then like, Maybe I'll play half an hour because, like, you know, it's like I, I've yeah. gone through 50 hours of this game or whatever, and this series, which has been so important to me, is about to end, and I don't know what's going to happen after. I know uh, Kim, Kim gets like that too. I, I never really feel that way about like it, uh, not wanting something to end, but I will. I have something else that could that could prevent me from finishing something, and that I want that finale to be a great experience. So, like. I'll I'll want to be per, like perfect conditions to like sit down and watch it. And well, that's that the way it, situation might not come. <laughs> that's kind of the way it'll happen to me sometimes, or at least I'll tell myself that. Where it's like, oh, I'm a little tired tonight. Like I'll watch it tomorrow. Yeah, you know I mean? <laughs> yeah. And it's like, oh, you know, I I uh, you know I was really planning on sitting down and like you know at at, at this time and no 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 I, you know I, there's something else I want to do or oh look the Yankee game is on. I right, let me. Yeah, I should really watch the Yankee game, you know? <laughs> and yeah. then all of a sudden it's been 10 days and it's like, I just don't want it to end. Like, <laughs> excuses to not end. Al, moving on to what we've been watching, I've been hoodwinked. Oh, God. Hornswoggled. Hornswoggled? If you will. Bamboozled? Bamboozled, for sure. Uh, I swear that I looked this up 12 times. <laughs> and each time I looked it up, I remember looking it up because I could not believe this this is how The Walking Dead is ending? This oh, no. is it. This is the last season? It's not. I know. <laughs> I just saw that today, and it reminded me when we talked about it a few weeks ago. I was like, I don't know if this is the end of a season that didn't get completed, or if it's the first half and then there's going to be another half. It sounds like this no. is the end of a season that wasn't completed, which is what I thought originally when we yeah. talked about yeah. it. Yeah. Well, they did that already in, uh, <laughs> it, like, when it came back, it came back for an episode and then disappeared for three months. But that, that was only supposed to be finale. like the half. It was supposed to be yeah. the half season finale, right? <laughs> right. That's what I right. thought. Yeah, so that's that's where we're at. But anyway, the, this entire half season was, it was horrible. It's so bad. <laughs> but the uh, but I will say this season finale was great. Really? And only because it focuses around the only good character on the show. Who? Negan. Ah. And it was an entire Negan episode. I saw pictures of it online and it sounded like they showed, yeah, the backstory stuff like him and his wife and stuff like that, right? The original Lucille. Yeah, so like first, Jeffrey Dean Morgan is awesome. I think he's a great actor. He And he delivers 
like when you put him on the screen. Uh, Negan is one of the best villains written, I think. I, he rivals the Joker for me. I think that he's like he. There's something about him, like he's comic, so comic Negan or show Negan. Uh, show Negan over comic Negan, believe it <clears> or not. Really? Okay. Because I know yeah. you have been reading. I don't know if you you're not. Yeah, up I never finished it, but uh, that's another one where like I was like, oh, like I, I was like burning through them, and it was like late, and I wasn't like really retaining what I was going through, and I was like, I feel like I should start like at least this volume over, and I just never did. But I have the rest of the series, so I should go through it eventually. But uh, Show Negan is is fantastic. Uh, he's got so much depth, and I really like it. Comic Negan is good too, but he's not. He, I don't. Show Negan is an evolution of that character. The right? last in a, in a really good way. The last half season of the show that I watched was during the Whisper stuff, which to me was the most compelling version of the Show Negan, where he's trying to find redemption. Not in a sense of atonement, but in the sense of how do I refocus my whole ethos in a way that allows me to live among society as opposed to bending it entirely to my will, right? Right. Yeah. Um, because he, he, still re- he still retains some of the principles, but realizes that he went too far, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, or at least knows that he needs to be able to switch on and off as opposed to being on all the time. Yeah, but they, they did this, this great thing of giving him a backstory where, like, years before all this, he was flawed and recovered. And then something terrible happens where he turns into the Negan that we all know. Mm-hmm. And it makes sense from his history, right? That he could be, like, he, he, he has gone down a bad path before. But not, like, obviously not to this degree. The next thing that happens to him is so, like, earth shattering for his character uh, that it it kind of, like Negan makes sense as Negan, like going getting to where he went. It makes sense. I get. I I totally buy it. And uh, just written, I don't. But with the performance that he gives, I buy it. Okay. And uh, and then seeing him again coming back is like hitting another breaking point of like really turn, trying to turn it around and like leaning into it. It's, I, I really, it was a great episode. It was a strong episode of television. Like I really enjoyed it. And I was like, wow, like you guys don't deserve this shit. <laughs> like This is so good. He's giving you, he's giving you more than you deserve. Um, well, it's been yeah, a long so. time now where the performances have outstripped the writing on the page that they have taken to the screen. So it sounds yeah. like the writing maybe didn't let them down for once in this one, but he still probably outperformed what was given to him. Yeah, uh, exactly. And I would say, yeah, the writing it probably would have been fine, but yeah. with him, it became great. So that was really cool. Which, like, fine is still an upgrade from what they've been doing by, <laughs> by and large for five or six years now. Well, especially the last five episodes, which are one-off character deep dives on characters that I just don't care about. <laughs> uh, and that's honestly... That's mostly because I don't really care about anybody on the show except Negan right now. I I would I would still I would still care about Maggie, but she only just came back. Yeah, <laughs> like she disappeared for a while, and it's like I thought she was gone. You're not a, a Carol or Daryl fan anymore. No, uh, Daryl's fine. I like Daryl, but when you put Daryl and Carol on screen together, I can't stand Carol so much. And it's like I just wish she would go the way of the comic and just jump into her sea of zombies and get eaten because oh I'm God. just over it. She used to be uh, a really good character. She was. She was great for a while. Look at the flowers. The peak, peak Carol. <laughs> Honestly, even 
Here's some cookies, Carol, is pretty great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but she's become terrible. Like, insufferable. And it's okay. it's hard to watch. And, and she brings down the rest of the people that are near her. And it's not it's not great. And again, I, I don't want to... Uh, I actually don't want to, like... It's not the actress's fault. The writing of her character is shit. Yeah, which point. has been a consistent theme for me for quite some time now. It's like they, they want to do something. The thing is like, okay, you've said what you want to say. Now wrap it up. Like, yeah. stop. Like, you're Don't dragging out an, re- a non-compelling storyline. Like, doesn't make, like, nobody wants to watch this in my opinion. I mean, that, I that was that speaking for my opinion. But. That's what started driving me insane on the show is like, they would have an interesting idea mm. that they would hash out, which had implications obviously for story and for character development. And it's like, okay, cool. It's like, but we've now been going on this for 20 minutes and you're relitigating a point you made pretty poignantly 20 minutes ago. And it's like, you're now making it retroactively not as good because right. you to keep beating me over the head with it. It's like, no, I get it. I uh, get it. Yeah, it's not, it's, it's not great. Uh, but that's, that's, Pretty much for me, what I've been watching, a couple of the shows that are airing here and there, but uh, and also still been powering through Parks and Rec uh, again with Kim. And That's right. We are loving it. So, yeah, I um, last week I spent some time watching. I never had actually finished watching the newest season of The Boys. <clears throat> me neither. I, oh, you didn't finish it? Because I, I remember no, we I'm talked like, about I think it. I'm like halfway through it or something. I know we talked about it several months ago. I think in an episode in which Dominic was on and you had actually jumped ahead of me and you hadn't originally watched it, but you watched basically like a season and a half. So you were like a couple of episodes ahead of me in season two. And I thought, I assumed you'd finished it. I couldn't remember where you said you left off with it. And I had left off with three episodes left of eight total. And so I watched the three of those one of the days last week. And I mean, it was still a good season. I still really enjoyed the show. I think it kind of lost focus at one point. Mm. It felt like I lost track of the big picture a little bit. Like I felt like I lost track of the forest for the trees while watching the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, it's hard to blame them because they had a lot of interesting storylines and characters and whatever. Cause the cast has gotten bigger despite the amount of death. The, the show, like the cast has gotten bigger not that everyone necessarily is main characters or has full-blown storylines, but unlike The Walking Dead, sometimes when they decide to follow a secondary or tertiary character, there's some interesting bit of world building or character development, or it ends up pulling back to the plot at some point. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, so I found them to be ultimately productive tangents because they didn't end up being tangents. Typically they ended up having some way to inform what's going on on the show in a bigger picture, right. but it just was I'm going to say like 10% too much, you know, which isn't like egregious. It's not something that's like yeah. you hated or anything like that. It's just, it just got a little bit messy. It's, so I really yeah, it's, liked it. It's, it's enough that things. you noticed it. it didn't yeah. Like, it cause entirely, like, but you noticed it. Yeah. Like where, you know, the thing that they did was good and I liked it, but ultimately it just made the picture a little hard to focus on because of how sure. big it became. Um, and it's not the end of the world. It's not bad. And you know, I, I still really enjoyed it. It just, the first season was a little bit more focused to me, even despite balancing the needs of having two separate teams to inform you on, even though you don't get the same level of depth of character, each of them, you get to spend some time with each of those characters, right? That that picture of the characters that we had to keep track of was 
just a little bit too big in this season. All of them, it just ended up being slightly less than the sum of its parts, but each of the parts I found were valued. Nice. Yeah, I'll have to, I'll have to get back to that um, soon. I do want to finish it. Yeah. What else are you watching? Uh, so I also decided because Godzilla vs. Kong came out late last week, and I forgot that that was incoming. I still had never seen either of the Godzilla movies that have come out in this monster series. I'm glad you said either, because I wasn't sure. Like, there was a second one. Yeah, there was Godzilla King of the Monsters, which I had heard really good things about, actually. Um, I know you had seen the first Godzilla and you weren't a big fan of. I remember we talked about it a bit as a prologue to our conversation for Kong early on in the role of the show, Kong Skull Island. Uh, So I finally sat down and watched that one on Thursday night, which was also like when I was at my worst of like cabin fever and Mm -hmm. I, that movie was not good. Not a good movie. No. Um, So I spent some time Friday writing a review of that and I put it up on the spin tune. I don't know if you got a chance to look at it and see if it tracked with your thoughts. So Mm -hmm. were we more or less of the same mind? Yeah. Yeah. I thought so. Um, Just not a good movie. Cool ideas. Um, Some of it um, really actually, to be fair to it, there were some really cool visuals. I know we discussed it when we did the episode. The Halo jump is yeah. a thrilling scene to watch. Like, it's beautiful mm-hmm. to watch. Um, some of the fight stuff was interesting, but unfortunately, there was barely any of it. Um, mm-hmm. I felt like it just gave me action movie blue balls. Like, it kept feeling like it was about to happen, and then it didn't. Right. Um, which is not a great way to do an action movie when no. the rest of the writing isn't very good. Right. <laughs> which is kind of my core thesis on this whole movie was you're either going to give me good writing and char- compelling characters, and then you can tease me with the action and build up to a big climax and have some good stuff there, which some of the final fight was good. Um, or you can have shitty writing, but awesome action scenes, but you can't have neither. <laughs> right. <laughs> and... Like, it wasn't egregiously long, but honestly, like, honest to God, I really wasn't even, like, that tired, and I fell asleep during the middle of the movie a little bit, and I didn't yeah. feel like I missed it. Yeah, I don't think you did. I um, forget, I watched it, I think I bought it to watch it, but mo- because it was, like, $5, <laughs> like, to have, like, the Blu-ray. But, uh, um, so yeah, anyway, check out that on the, uh, the Spin Tune if you guys want. But then, uh, so that was Thursday night, and then Sunday night, I watched Godzilla King of the Monsters. And... It's funny because my thesis at the end of that first movie was if you're not going to give me great writing, give me cool action. And that movie gives you a lot of cool action. Yep. There's some cool shit watching. Yeah. You know, I watched the first one on my projector downstairs. So 1080p, but big screen. But gigantic. Yeah. Yeah. So that was pretty cool. This I did on the 4K TV. So still big screen, but not remotely the size of the projector, but 4K quality. The coloration in that movie. Yeah, is I was the right call watching it 4K because yeah, there is some imagine. gorgeous stuff that you see during that movie. It's well directed as far as action set pieces and big, big, dumb. They're monsters are killing each other stuff. It's fun. Now, maybe that's not for everyone or whatever. I wouldn't really even say it's necessarily for me. Like, it's not my favorite thing to watch. But sure. still, for spectacle's sake, it was pretty badass. A lot of what was going on on screen and the rest of it, I would say that the story not super important. It was fine. You could more or less follow what was going on. Characters, the actors were better cast, slightly better written. So that's a plus, but that's not no, you know, Academy Awards for any of that shit, you know, but whatever, like it was fine. It was a fun movie. Like it, like, mm. I don't know if it was a great movie. It was fun. I had a good time watching it. It was cool for a big dumb action movie. 
Um, so now I'm ready to watch Godzilla versus Kong. Uh, I loved Kong Skull Island. I thought it was really same. Good. I remember really, um, really enjoying that as well. I am curious though. Do I need to watch the second Godzilla? Do you think? Well, I don't know yet because I haven't watched it. So yeah, well, uh, yeah. I feel like I could probably <laughs> just get away with watching the new one. You probably could. I probably could have too. But considering how much time on my hands I had, I figured why not? Sure. Just go. You can fill it. me in on what I've missed when we do the the new. Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest, this time I actually was a little tired watching, and I did doze off for like 90 seconds while they were on heavy exposition, but whatever. Mm-hmm. I Honestly, I knew what was going on, so whatever. No big deal. Although I did lose track of how one of the human characters got killed off. Like, I woke up, and then he died like 30 seconds later, and I was like, how did he get over there? <laughs> <laughs> but other than that, not a big deal. Um, yeah, no, it was fun. It was good. It's not nice. a super long movie. It's an easy watch. Like, okay. If what, you got wait, some time. What's it on? Uh, th- they're all on HBO Max. Oh, excellent. Uh, because that's what they just released uh, Godzilla vs. Kong in theaters at HBO Max. Right. So. Okay, cool. Um, so I could watch it there. Nice. Yeah. Maybe I'll do that. Maybe I'll do that. They do just casually drop into the uh, during a portion of exposition that King Ghidra is an alien. Like, out of nowhere. Like, uh, <laughs> I mean, like, like, the slight spoiler, not super important. If you don't get to watch it, now you know that. I'm sure it won't come up in Kong versus Godzilla. But <laughs> while they're like trying to wonder why all of these monsters are waking up and what's going on and why they're all fighting each other and stuff like that, they just kind of someone casually mentions, oh, yeah, we think he's an alien. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to go with that. Cool. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thank you for that. Uh, <laughs> nice. What else are you watching? Uh, I don't. You know, that's a good question. I gotta, I gotta consult the list again. Or is it a what we're watching situation? Um, no, I think we're down to the what we're watching. Let's talk about uh, Falcon, the Falcon, and the the clunkiest title of them all, the Falcon. Yeah, I saw some jokes on that about that online. When did we establish and that the he Winter was the Soldier. Falcon? <laughs> it, it just it it it's too bad. Do a little bit better. Well, I made the joke after we did the first episode that it was the Falcon or the Winter Soldier, right? And then. And we have to do catch up on two episodes. The second episode, <laughs> second episode was the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Right. And the third episode is the Falcon and the Winter Soldier and Baron. That's right. Which and club yeah. fist bump and glory. That fist bump was ridiculous. Oh it became goodness. a meme overnight. Literally, um, it was a good time. You know, <laughs> I, I was laughing. I was laughing hysterically. I'm really enjoying the show. It's the fun Marvel that I've kind of just wanted to watch again it's not I, it's not the best of anything but it's not the worst and it's entertaining i mean it's definitely like competently made and it doesn't look like it's very obviously trying to be more consistent with the marvel universe than the marvel's defenders stuff was right um it feels like it is a part of the world as opposed to just referencing the world Mm-hmm. Um, and it matches the house style, like visually and all that. It doesn't f- like, you know, they're not doing big, crazy, stupid, like Thanos type fights, you know, but they also don't have to. And, but yeah. it doesn't look out of place. It looks like what street level engagements have looked like in the series. Yeah, oh, for, for sure. It's, it's interesting. I've been trying to place my finger on like, there's a, you mentioned the aesthetic and there is something there. Like there's something about, uh, WandaVision that matches very, closely with Ant-Man, uh, Age of Ultron. There's certain styles there that, that line up perfectly. Uh, with this, it's, it is it is definitely in the same vein as the rest of the Captain America movies, right? It, it yeah. feels... Well, specifically, like the, it looks and feels like the Winter Soldier and it, C- right. Civil War. 
And then, uh, not to jump ahead too far, but the Loki trailer is so clearly that cosmic aesthetic that they have. Guardians, Thor. Uh, some, some of it, yeah. And um, it, it's interesting how they do that with different people making the I mean, I think shows. it probably just comes down to cinematography. Uh, not that yeah. they've all been the same cinematographers, but they've clearly had a mandate to make it look the same. But it's it's got to be it's got to be a combination of cinematography, uh, coloring, and production design, right? Like there's those three things together are making the world that is this certain like all of these circles when they overlap are the Avengers, but they live on their own and they have their own look and feel, and it's it's pretty amazing how yeah they do because. That. Because Thor looks like Thor and Captain America looks like Captain America and Iron Man looks like Iron Man. And when they're all together in an Avengers movie, it looks like an Avengers movie. Right, it, right. It's so it's so cool. I give them a lot of credit because I, I can't even imagine. Like, there's a, there's a layer of work, like there's a level of work that's being done to maintain that, that we're not like privy to. It but explains it, why it takes so long to work. turn around these movies. Yeah, because yeah, it's not fair. just the CGI. It's making sure all that shit. And it also makes you realize how long the pre-production is going on for some of these before they're even announced in some cases. Yeah. Um, or and also now that as they're getting into later stages, you know, the later phases of the series, it explains why they're announcing a movie and it's supposed to come out two years later. Mm-hmm. Because there's you can see the level of pre-production that must be going into it for it to get that consistent look and feel because they got to build those sets and they got to make sure those cameras are tuned properly and they have to make sure the costuming is consistent. Even if they change or update the costume that it looks in the same vein, like it looks like a natural progression from one to the next. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty, it's, it's wild. I'm, I'm, I'm so fascinated by the entire thing. I am really enjoying, I'm enjoying like, like watching where the show is going, watching the mystery unfold. I like the, I love what they're doing with pre and post blip and the effects on like the world and culture and the economy and like things like that and how they're like, and this entire group of people that are like, they exist specifically because the blip happened. Like, I think all of that is really exciting and like opens the door for like where all these stories can go going forward. I also like that at least speaking specifically to the blip in the three properties that have come out post Endgame. We've seen three very different takes of the exact same thing. Um, Far From Home looked at it through the lens of high schoolers where yep. they made a video and it's a joke that these kids came back during the middle of the, high, the, the basketball game and all that and they're kind of stumbling over because they don't really know how to interpret it and all that. And then with WandaVision you get what it's like for people as they embrace the losses you know it's the people who died while you were away it's coming back to the fact that the person you love died right before you disappeared and mm-hmm. everyone else has had five years to move on and you've had five seconds to move on and then with this you get well, what does it look like not just for kids or people but the world what does it look right. like for the it world? More global view of it all yeah it, it's it's really cool i i'm i'm loving what they're doing i'm I love that I have a new thing to look for every weekend, like to go and watch. I, I, I haven't been loving it to the same level as you. I, I would say so far I enjoyed WandaVision more than I enjoyed this. Okay. Um, it, I, it's fine. Like I, I'm not disliking hey. it, but I would say that 
at the end, we were kind of in agreement that we felt like the first episode was fine. It's like yeah. we've grown in appreciation since then. To me, I'm kind of still on the same level of it's fine. Like there's like moments that I've loved, but overall mm-hmm. it hasn't felt as clean and tight as WandaVision did, or at least maybe not as focused or maybe I just don't appreciate the direction as much as I appreciated that. Sure, could be. Um, I don't know. I Yeah, I'm having a hard time. It's not like I can point to anything and be like, this is bad, or like, this isn't good, or even I disagree with, or whatever. Um, I just haven't found it to be as compelling because it's telling a more straightforward story, I think, and because the stakes that's, are lower, yeah. that's probably what it is. That's fair. I, I will say that it's got more of a... Um a, a spectacle feel to it like with some like they're doing some crazy action sequences they have like they it, each one feels like a movie and it's fairly 40 plus minutes per episode like yeah i think maybe that's what i'm really gravitating towards is i as we've discussed on the show i am always 100 of the time movie over tv i prefer a movie and this feels more like a movie to me each time i sit down to watch it and i think that's part of the reason why i have like this draw and this excitement to go sit and like and like you know, turn the lights off and like like really like sink into it. But uh, but I agree that the storytelling in WandaVision was far more compelling. Yes. Um, this is just a lot of fun to watch. I know what I'm getting every time I turn it on. I feel like. Yeah, and I do. I will say, I've really enjoyed actually like the like the casting, like the, whether it be returning characters or new characters. Uh, it first I don't know why for a second it threw me for a loop when the actress who played Enfys Ness was <laughs> showed up in the middle of episode two uh, as the seemingly main villain for now. And we'll see if that mm. continues to be the case. Um, certainly they set her up to be a sympathetic figure and less so by the end of the third episode, but we'll see where that goes because mm-hmm. um, now she's gone full blown terrorist. Um, she, it, it felt like she crossed the line from freedom fighter to terrorist. big time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> in one scene. Put your yeah, one on. scene that oh, I totally is, did not see coming. Uh, well, put your seatbelt on. I was like, oh, this is like really sweet. Like at, the, at their core, they're just like these kids that are trying to, oh my God. <laughs> well, uh, you know what? Honestly, from that perspective, you know, it's a pretty good fake out too, because like the scene before they raid that building, the two of them are having conversations about the before times. And yeah. remember when we weren't freedom fighters, and right. <laughs> why did you get into this life? And like, it, it felt really grounded and nice and real. And you realize that this is like a misfit family and mm-hmm. you know, cause they're asking like deeply personal questions and it's the type of questions where it's like, we're super close now, but we weren't always. And we've had to become because of circumstances. And it's like, you see a little bit more of that misfit family thing. And that's what, how I read that scene, right. Was, Hey, you know, whether you're, you know, my, my, my brother in arms, whether there's a potential romantic interest, whatever, like it was just a small intimate moment. Yeah. And no, it's because I'm blowing up this building. Right. <laughs> I was like, Jesus. <laughs> and also, we're immediately breaking up that intimacy because he's like, dude. What the <laughs> Yeah, in the words of Ron Burgundy, <laughs> that escalated quickly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think the addition of Daniel Brühl slash Zemo to this is great. He's great. He's a really yeah. good actor. He is. Um, and I haven't gotten the opportunity to see him in a lot of non-Marvel stuff, but he was really good in Rush, um, and coincidentally with Thor. They were, they've never shared screen time, have they? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. But uh, yeah, no, I, I thought he was really good in that movie. I know he's been in a couple of other things. I feel like there's one other thing I saw. The same. I was trying to think of that as well. Let me see if I can pull it up. Um, I know I was reading a little article about him and just 
he's, he's an interesting guy. I guess he was like born to like like a German Brazilian dad and like a Spanish mother, and he speaks like six languages. Um, oh, he was in Inglorious Bastards. Yeah, but I never saw that really. So, um, there I thought there, there was something. Did else you watch The Alienist? That's what it was. That's what it was. Yeah. Uh, I still haven't got around to seeing the second season, but yeah, he was really, really good in the first season. Um, nice. So yeah, no, he's he's a good actor. I, I like him a lot, and they seems like they really cut him loose and just let him go be. 11 out of 10 right now yeah. as Zemo and that fist pump was like 12 out of 10. Yep. <laughs> but just all of those scenes sure in his was. interaction. And I would say his character has been by far the best written of the three so far too. Yeah. Um, because mostly because they're using him as a plot device or world building device in those scenes. But if you're going to do that and make someone be exposition heavy, have a good performer and have good writing. Mm-hmm. And then we, of course, uh, finale, the, the finale, well, I guess that's fair. The finale of the of the last episode that aired, well, when you listen to this, there'll be another one, but we're talking yes. about the one before that. Uh, bring in... Uh, uh, the Dora oh Milaje. What? The Dora Milaje, was that not what the group's name was? The 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 guards for the... Uh, that's, I couldn't remember the name, but sure. Them, yes. bring them in. Like that, well, I definitely I mean, don't remember the character's name. It's yeah, not the was, Guerrero character, so... Right. That, that I don't even cool. remember her like, name right now. How are we going to do... Like, what are we going to do here? This is fun. I, like when, As soon as I saw the little ball, I was like, oh, I know where this is going. Like, this is their tech. Like, this is, like, going to be their stuff. Like, I, <laughs> See, actually, I didn't know where it was going at first. Like, obviously, I knew it meant something i just didn't it didn't click for me that it was yeah but as soon as she showed up I was like oh yeah they would have a vested interest in him being out on the streets <laughs> i love i just i still love that line so what are you white panther now actually it's a white wolf <laughs> it, well it's great what? because it, it's a good retort and then sam yeah. being like oh wait shit they do actually have a name for you <laughs> yeah i like i do i i enjoy their stupid bickering Sometimes I like, it's I like been the a little back that you're not going to leave. You're, you're really not going to move the seat off. <laughs> was a good callback. <laughs> yeah. Um, there it's been a little bit too much at times, but they've really nailed it. I times. enjoy the comical bickering. I don't yeah. enjoy the, when they're overdoing like their, their frustrations with each other because they are this, like they need to just stop and get on the same page a lot yes. of the time. That can be annoying to watch or at least introduce new reasons for it to crop back up. Like, right like a compelling reason to show another side of this conflict, not just because that some of that is falling prey to the walking dead, being yeah. a dead horse situation. But like, I will say where it peaked when they have the scene with the counselor, that scene was good because yeah. that was the first time they really had the conversation. And it's like, Oh, okay. There is something here mm-hmm. to why like something real. And to let like, and I guess technically only Bucky really goes all the way in that scene. Um, Sam does a bit, but he's still more closed off and is just trying to get out of the seat. That that was at least there was like a kernel of, okay, like there can be something real here, but that's really been the only time they've done that as far as the real bickering stuff. Yeah. Yeah. All right, we'll see how this goes. I'm I'm looking forward for the next episode though. I will say, there's no way that Sharon Carter isn't the power broker, right? I yeah I don't know I would assume that that's what's going on. I mean, at bare minimum, I suppose she probably has to be working for him or her. But I didn't think it at first when she showed up. But the way that she left the scene, I was like, oh, so she's the power broker. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you on that. Uh, cool. The only other thing that we have here is that we didn't we 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 briefly touched on was the Loki trailer, uh, which dropped a few days ago. Uh, 
I didn't really get much out of it other than like, yeah, I'll watch that. It looks fun to me. Well, it, I'm more excited for it because it reminded me more of WandaVision where it's like, we're going to do... We're going to do weird? Here. Yeah, we're going to yeah. do weird. We're going to do a concept here and we're going to fuck around a bit. And yeah, it's going to be weird. And I'm yeah, signing up for the weird because like, yeah, like you've established that you can reliably make a product, right? Like that's what the Falcon, the Winter Soldier is. is just a reliably product. Um, that doesn't impress me anymore. You know what I mean? Like yeah. check the boxes. Great. But like, give me something weird or different or something I haven't seen before. Like WandaVision did that which is why I ended up being really pleasantly surprised for something I actually had very low expectations for. Mm-hmm. Um, and so maybe I'll disappoint myself because I now am getting expectations for Loki, but unlike the other two shows, that trailer, at least from the first trailer, actually made me be like, ooh, there might be something going on here, you know? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm curious to see where it goes. I, I like that. Where I, I love things that deal with time manipulation. Like, I know some people are like, like, I don't really want to or care to follow what, like, the, com- like, the convoluted results of these actions. I love that stuff. At this stage, I'm wary going into them. Mm-hmm. I enjoy it when it's done well, but the problem is it's really hard to do it. Sure. But uh, I, I think, I, I think at any rate, they'll do it. They're, they're going to have some fun with it. I feel like, and it's going to be cool. I am also, waiting Owen for Wilson? this. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> I must've missed that casting, casting wow. announcement because it didn't even seem like he was like a cameo. It seems like he's going to be one of the he's characters. Like straight up. In it, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, like that was unexpected. I didn't okay. expect to see Owen Wilson kind of playing the straight man, but also getting to do a little bit of kooky as well. You know, yeah. which was probably the right line for him to always strike, where it's like mostly grounded, but every once in a while he decides to fuck around a little bit. Yep, yeah. I'm I'm waiting for this all to just turn into the Marvel show, where like every week we get an episode of something and it's a continuation of some storyline that's going on and sometimes they overlap and sometimes they don't. Like a mini version, a more frequent mini version of the entire MCU. <laughs> like where it's like, oh, next Friday is uh is a Falcon Winter Soldier story arc continuation. And the Friday after that is a Loki continuation. And then at some point something crosses over. Like, I feel like that would be a great way. So at first it's, I thought you maybe were describing like a grab bag thing where like something's coming on and it's like, they, they, they like spun the <laughs> wheel and somehow it's like, okay, this episode is okay. We've got Loki, the wasp and <laughs> yeah. And that, uh, I, would, I would watch. That and also. what's his name? Like Ned, Ned from Spider-Man. <laughs> like, uh, like, how did, how did we get hey, to this man, string? I don't know. Go, we'll figure it out. You can't go wrong with more Ned. <laughs> <laughs> when you were like, oh, it's just going to be something random every week. That's, that's what I was thinking at first. Like, how are they going to fucking pull that off? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's the multiverse of madness right there. <laughs> Wouldn't would, would you watch the shit out of something like that? Okay. Like, w- like it's basically... <laughs> an even more aggressive version of where they went with the infinity war end game stuff where it's like, okay, let's like pair off a bunch of random people like rocket and Thor or whatever. Yeah, but like, right. This is it's even more aggressive than figures. that. Yes. Kind of. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We've, we've got a uh, Cobra commander. We've got Darth Vader and we've got, uh, <laughs> you know. Oh my gosh. Um, are, do you have any other news or nuggets? I don't think so. There was, there's other things that happened the last two weeks, but, uh, you know, whatever. <laughs> no, they're not worth it? Not, nothing that felt like earth-shattering, or if it did, it was probably two weeks ago, so why bother? Well, Fair sure enough. If it was that big, it'll come back up again, and we'll talk about it. Okay, well, let's get into some news and nuggets. Those nope. are the news and nuggets. Let's get into fun and games. 
<laughs> a little rusty. Right. A little, a little rusty this week. I am. Uh, okay. Everybody has a type of alcohol that matches their personality. Here's yours. Oh. Here's a BuzzFeed quiz for you. Pick a food. Pizza, nachos, pasta, salad, burger, or ramen. Lots of good options. Those are some good options. I'm going to go with pizza, though. As would I. Uh, Pick a word to describe yourself. Smart, fun, cool, bored, unique, wild. Smart. Pick an activity. Eating, dancing, sleeping, talking, watching TV, or running. Hmm. I enjoy eating. Me too, Um, which is why I'm as heavy as I am. Um, (laughs) Let's go with eating. Okay. Pick an animal. Panda, giraffe, goat, turtle, penguin, whale. Let's go with penguin. What what do these have to do with booze? Pick a sport. Baseball, soccer, football, basketball, hockey, or golf? Football. What's the ideal number of people to invite to a party? Zero to five, just a six to ten, just a small games night. <laughs> <laughs> Zero to five, six to ten, eleven to twenty, twenty-one to thirty, thirty-one to fifty, as many as possible. Go with eleven to twenty. Pick a Disney character. What? <laughs> pick a dis. This is how it. Pick a Disney character is what it says, and then this is how the choices are: that Little Mermaid, that Talking Teacup, that Dragon from Mulan. That Lion King, that Snowman from Frozen, that Talking Tree in Pocahontas. <laughs> wow, I was not expecting a Grandma Grandma Willow, uh, Grandmother Willow <laughs> reference here, but I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Mushu. Okay. Uh, wow. Okay, <laughs> you got beer. You're realistic. I figured. I was saying what I football and pizza pretty much sealed my fate on that one. <laughs> You're realistic. You are realistic and no frills and iconic in your own way. I'm definitely iconic in my own way. (laughs) (laughs) With that, let us get into our flick of the week. Bottle Shock, released in 2008, rated PG-13 with an hour and 50 minute runtime. Your IMDb synopsis. The story of the early days of California winemaking featuring the now infamous Blind Paris wine tasting of 1976 that has come to be known as Judgment of Paris. Al, do you want to start off with any awards or nominations that this movie may have received? I, uh, I forgot that we did that. Um, we talked about it once and then we never did it again. No, we did it a couple of times, but the problem <laughs> is we uncharacteristically had some newer releases in some of the movies we did, didn't we? I think so. Um, I don't believe this has any major... uh, I don't think it does either. So why don't you kick us off with your tweet-length review? Well, I have to be sure. Oh, it did win one award. It did. Is it a Razzie? Best Best Actor by Alan Rickman in Golden Space Needle Award. (laughs) What in the hell? The Seattle International Film Festival of of 2008. Um, I mean, like, this is a pretty, like, this isn't really like a big. Well, I mean, I, that I guess. Yeah, that's fair. Indie movies that have a lot of uh, nominations for awards or whatever, but no, this isn't that type of movie. Um, so you want me to give my review? Is that what you said? Yeah, I want your tweet length and your score. Okay. Um, a fun little movie about a very specific thing that happened a long time ago. Why not? Six out of ten. Okay. Chock full of xenophobia, misogyny, and other painfully outdated sensibilities, Bottle Shock, while based on a true story, is flat, bland, and bolstered by some very strange choices for embellishments. <laughs> Five out of ten. Wow. Okay. I had, I, mean, I, had I, I took some issues with the movie. 
Well, the xenophobia part um, is interesting because it's kind of fine because it's partially part of the story. So I'm not. Well, that's that's overly... that's what caught my attention in you saying it is like that's the point of yeah, the movie. It, it, it's not. It's not <laughs> like literally the whole movie is xenophobia it's not the worst is part. bad, and let's disarm it. <laughs> the uh, the over sexualizing of the two female characters, one of which does not actually exist. Um. Is Sam is not a real person. Which one was Sam? Sorry, it's been no. now quite a few, like six weeks since I've watched the movie. Sam so is the, the is like, I guess, the closest thing to a female lead in the movie. Oh, okay. Um, uh, not oh, a so real you're saying person. in real life she doesn't exist. Okay. That's correct. So that this is one of the choices that were made that makes me go, what? what? Like, I can see, like, if, you, if the character is doing some things or making some choices, that makes me go... Well, that's odd, and it's based on a true story, then I can kind of get behind, like, okay, like, we're just kind of maybe playing it up to, like, something that they've done or experienced or whatever. Um, but there were some odd things that happened there for a character that was made up for the movie. Well, I was going to say, this is based on a true story, but it's, according to you, it, she doesn't exist. Right. So, <laughs> um, that part isn't true, and so then we're not even taking liberties with Right. We just straight up made it up. <laughs> well, I was say unless she's just an amalgamation for other girls, and they just picked all of the big plot points that happened with the different girls along the way, and they formed her into one character for brevity and clarity. It's it's possible, but it was. I feel like I don't think uh, this is a good thing. Yeah, the, just saying like was... this is a thing that one does for stories. Maybe, but it was <laughs> it was a not so tasteful portrayal. Uh, I was not thrilled with how uh, we're, we're diving right into this movie. I here's what this is my, one of my biggest issues with it. Okay, I'm surprised uh, you like disliked it so much because I actually I'm not not to say that the criticisms you made so well one of the criticisms you made very fair one of them less so. Um, I like piling on at that point. <laughs> yeah, no, I enjoyed this movie. Mm-hmm. It's not a great movie. I did find the story it's trying to tell very interesting and compelling, though. And that's the part that is most interesting about this movie to me. And I, I thought the duality of, considering we had just talked about you wanted to see some Alan Rickman. Yes. And the fact that I thought you might find just the actual story they were trying to tell interesting, even if they're yeah. celebrities. No, that's that's fair. I, I think I like, I really enjoyed the, the actual true story aspect of it and how that came about. I thought that was great. That I, was really the biggest reason why, well, like I said, that and the Rickman thing is the only reason I even offered this up. Love for Alan shows. Rickman too. I just thought uh, you would find it to be an interesting story to watch because it's not yeah. a, it's not a super well-made movie, honestly. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's not. And I, I, I agree with you. I do actually, I did appreciate that stuff. I actually, the movie could have been very good if we stuck with if we stuck with Alan Rickman I think either telling the story from his angle the entire way through or telling you, the story you can't tell the whole story from the thing is you could t- but you could tell more of it through his lens I sure think. I'm not saying that the balance balancing couldn't have been more in his favor of course not yeah. I'm just saying that like this story requires two separate storylines the I, I would argue though that the son of the vineyard is not is the way they went he in my opinion if you're looking at this movie the way that screen time and the way the story is unfolding chris pine is the lead of the movie yeah i would say he has like the plurality of and i think he could have largely been skipped like his character entirely and focusing a bit on bill pullman's character 
more and then but mostly on Alan Rickman going through this journey of like going to the States trying the wine, following him, maybe introducing some of the other players a little bit better that whose wine he tasted. Like, Well, I'll, telling... I'll, say, I'll say this much as far as choices, as you were saying. Um, this is obviously told from the American side of the story. Mm-hmm. Um, not to say that that makes it more or less factual, but like if it were being told by a French or British person, I imagine it probably would have followed it more closely from Alan Rickman's perspective. But because it's told from the American side, they wanted to give that patriotic American version of the story while trying to do slightly more than pay lip service to the foreign aspect of it, Mm. right? Um, What I would say, though, is if you've given, if you made the choice that you'd want to tell it from the American perspective, I would agree with you that the story is a little bit more rich and compelling and probably less problematic if it's told more from Bill Pullman's perspective than from Chris Pine's perspective. I won't disagree with you there that I had, I been doing it, I would have done it more from the father's perspective, but I don't think you can actually tell the story without the son. Hey, I mean, he could be there, but it was, it leaned too heavily on like, like I feel like around him, like even like, I well, just considering how the climax of the story goes and the fact that he physically goes to the competition, like you you need him to be a part of it, but I won't disagree with you that I would have, but he did again, also the father. added, I'm pretty sure from what I was reading, that he did not actually go. <laughs> so, oh, no? okay. <laughs> See, I didn't, I didn't read where this differed from the... No. Not to say that I'm not interested, but like I got the gist of this story. It was just a thing. Like I said, I know that they took liberties with this because this is a very, quote-unquote, cinematic movie. Mm-hmm. This is very much a movie that they dramatized more oh, to yeah. be a movie. There's no question in my mind. Um, to me, I didn't care enough about the subject matter to do the independent research on it. I, if even if the fifty thousand foot view of the story is true, it's just a compelling story. Was my yeah. now? I, I obviously like, I was I correct in like. thinking you would be interested in it because you took the time to do the independent research, which meant that it affected you in some way. Yeah, I was. <laughs> I liked because I liked. I enjoyed the. I enjoyed the history part of it. I thought that was cool. Yes, I, that, that was what I was getting at. It was the movie itself that I was like, it was the it was the core storytelling parts of it that I had I took issue with. Um, and a couple couple more things that, especially if you're gonna go the route of just making shit up, right? Like <laughs> focusing. I thought Gus was a compelling character. I would have happily rallied around storytelling framed around Gus. Yeah, but um, we started doing that for five minutes. And then completely abandoned him. <laughs> I won't disagree that at a, at one point the movie looked like it was going one way and then it took a hard right turn. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> are we going to come back to that? And no, not really, other than we're just going to loop back that there's a redemption arc and they kind of make up and also he gets to be represented in <laughs> the tasting. Like, But it, like, am I, am I as wrong? far as his impact on the story, <laughs> no. <laughs> doesn't, doesn't his red wine win? Uh, his red wins, but that's not what matters. What matters I know. <laughs> that was that was the whole thing. She Kim was like, so they're red, the red one. Who, but who's red? I was Wait, like, actually, I was it actually wasn't his. Was it? I think I don't know. I think it was. I couldn't. I don't really remember. Follow. I I remember the what was it, leaping stag is the one the red that won. Mm. I don't recall that being his, but I also don't know that it wasn't. <laughs> I don't. The funny know. thing is, I've actually had that wine. Um, right. Like. 
three or four weeks before I saw the movie. Too. That's like, pretty funny. Not on purpose, like not in anticipation of the movie. Yeah. And when I watched the movie and then they showed that at the end credits, I was like, dad, didn't we just drink that like four weeks ago? <laughs> like, yeah. Like, oh yeah, we did. <laughs> That's funny. I, I liked, so there's a couple things that I did really enjoy. I, Alan Rickman making his way to the States, uh, the flat tire, that whole sequence, very fun. I like that. Mm-hmm. It's great movie making, like super entertaining. And also even fun before that, him and Dennis Farina's banter. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was, that was, and constantly pulling the wine away from him. Yes. As he keeps going to refill his But so it's like all of it, like the, the banter with the, like that whole thing, the kind of slapstick nature of it, them walking through like Paris and like talking about all the stuff and planning this trip and this venture and all that. Like mm-hmm. I found all of that to be very well done and it's, it's two overqualified actors for the parts. Yeah. Um, so just watching them cut it up together was, was entertaining. They, they like had solid chemistry. Yeah. And that's why I was like, I was like, Oh, this is a good opportunity for it. We were just talking about this. Anthony wanted to see more Alan Rickman. You get more Alan yeah. Rickman here. But then, uh, bull, bull, Bill Pullman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's just simplify it to Bullman. Okay. We got so it. So Bullman's a little, <laughs> he's uh he sucks, right? Well, not him. His, his character <laughs> sucks. Like his, He's such an asshole, and well, you get why his son sucks because his dad sucks, right? Different types of suck, but suck. But 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 they definitely suck together. <laughs> uh, they they do also they, they, also terrible. they solve all their problems by literally beating the shit out of each other. <laughs> okay, again, the boxing not part of their life. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, so the boxing was a metaphor. That was. <laughs> In the interview, that's what the guy says. He goes, I guess it was just some sort of metaphor for fathers and sons uh, butting heads. And I was like, okay. I mean, it was always meant to me to read as double entendre metaphor, whatever. You know what I mean? But to know that it's going a step further to literally being (laughs) metaphor. Oh, my God. Uh so that there's that uh, here. OK, so let's get back to Sam and one of my biggest problems. One, uh, I liked that she got together with Gus. I was like, oh, this thing. I feel like they actually make a little bit more sense together because I, what, one, I can't stand Chris Pine's character. And two, they both seem to really be into the wine and actually on the same page and maybe have a little bit more. Well, Gus was a better dude. And then seeing all that stuff kind of helped inform it. I will say that it came out of left field to me where I was just like. Where the fuck is this coming well, from? Uh, you and know, then where, we where get where it the com- comes from is the sardines she, that she has in her fridge in her shack <laughs> that somehow has electricity. <laughs> yeah, again, it doesn't even have four fucking walls, but it's no. got electricity. Um, no. But like, it felt like the wine stuff should have come before the sex. I agree. Because then it, it well, would have felt when you like say a before, natural progression. It should come before the sex, but like more than 30 seconds before. Yeah, that's my point was like, if they had meted out those little bits of development of the relationship, it wouldn't have felt like such a random, why are they fucking? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, and, and that, while that was an issue, what really bothered me was how much of an issue it was for Bo, who... I guess is frustrated because he called dibs. Like it's not yes, clear. Exactly, like she's that, not no, interested exactly, in him. That's exactly and, what happened. Yes. And she shows no interest in him in that way until then. They're also having sex. So I'm trying to remember. <laughs> well, thankfully, th- some things happened between those things, but um, that's again paying lip service, I guess. But um, I'm trying to remember because again, it's been now like a month and a half or so since I saw the movie. Um, 
did him and Gus have a conversation where he implied that he was calling dibs? Uh, I think they did, but maybe I'm early on, very, like when they first like run into her, he says some like kind of nasty stuff that is just like it's just kind of gross. And in a way, like, it's like something basically along the lines of like, oh, I'm I'm at some point going to sleep with her. That was basically okay. what, it, what that's it was. what I thought had happened. So but then and then again, like, not, not not to justify whatever, but just in the, sure. the perspective of just establishing the parameters here. Right? <laughs> and then but then. All right. So Gus, uh, it seems like maybe, OK, while rushed and kind of out of left field, it seems like what we're saying is that Gus and Sam have a little bit of a connection. They get together. Cool. I was fine with that. And then. Uh, Bo gets all all pissy when he rolls up and sees Gus's motorcycle, uh, and then runs away. And then when they eventually come together again, Gus then also becomes the same shitty character that Bo is in their exchange. And it's like all of this is over a character that does not exist. <laughs> well, again, with the heavy-handed metaphors, right? He steals Bo's girl. And mm. he steals Bullman's wine. Mm-hmm. So obviously, a lot of metaphor going on. Yeah, can we? I, I think we're gonna have to start using this Bullman strategy <laughs> a little bit more regularly going forward. Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> at least where at least where it works phonetically, like it flows well. Yeah, in yeah, this Bull, case. Bullman's good. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so then he becomes an asshole. I was like, oh, that's that's stupid. I really liked the one. There are again. There are, there's some fun stuff going on in the movie. There is like, like the Alan Rickman Bullman scene. Great, right? Uh, the I liked Alan Rickman tasting all the wines and like saying what he needs to get started. Like it, like some of the biscuits or whatever it was that he asks for. I thought that like that was very silly. Uh, I really enjoyed when Bo, Sam, and Gus go to the bar and they're hanging out. And they do the the blind tasting, and yes. Gus is calling out the wines, and clearly they're hustling them. But they but but it was a fun uh, scene. It's but there was also they tried to tri- trip him up, and he still got it. Yes, which I thought was which I thought was cool. That was fun. I really enjoyed the scene where there was a really shitty racist guy in a truck, and they have that fight <laughs> or not so much fight. <laughs> and I was just like, "This is oh, I kind of like the way that these characters are standing up for him. Oh, maybe they like they have a little bit more of a modern sensibility for this time." But then. That was very short-lived. <laughs> well, that was what I was getting at with the heavy-handed metaphor vis-a-vis Gus, where it felt very, the colored guy is stealing our jobs and our life. Mm-hmm. Because before that, it seemed like, hey, no, he's cool. It doesn't matter that he's colored. We're all just friends here. Espousing the free love that the, was it nine years too late hippie Woodstock uh, right. <laughs> bow character? That actually was a, Pretty funny line when Bull. Yeah. like you realize what song's like nine years ago. He's like, literally had to do the math. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. But yeah, no, like it felt like they wanted to have their cake and eat it too, vis-a-vis race relations in California in the seventies wine culture. Mm-hmm. Um, one more problem. One more major f- problem that I have with Sam. There was the whole flashing the cop thing, which again written in because the character doesn't exist. There's that. There's then is followed up by a conversation that is had at the bar between her and Bo. This is maybe a, this is a little while. It's not directly after. It's a little bit after something about like a scar on her chest from like mm-hmm. a heart surgery of some kind. And I was like, oh, really strange. Like I don't get this character. This is the whole time. I'm like, I don't really get this character. But if it's based on somebody and they're trying to pull some storylines together, 
I understand that. Knowing the character doesn't exist. <laughs> where, where did this come from? Well, that's what I was getting at where maybe she is an amalgamation of <laughs> characters. Because there are some very specific plot and or character beats with her character that feels like it had to have come from some sort of inspiration. Not yeah. just, hey, this sounds good or is convenient from plot reasons. Like, it felt like it had to be inspired by something or a series of some things or some ones, I guess, in this case. Now, I don't know. I'm just trying to fit, I'm trying to fit the facts to a story that would make plausible sense to me. That yeah. doesn't mean that's actually what happened here. <laughs> no, but I, that's the only way that I can accept it. Yeah. Yeah, that which is why I'm trying to do it. Um, it was like possibly erroneously. There was a side. It was like what is it? Uh, uh, something along the lines of like we don't see a scar at any point. We are told about the scar, and we were given a backstory for it in a matter of twenty seconds, and then we never discuss it again, and it has no bearing on the story whatsoever. <sighs> but did the scar scene at the bar happen before or after the flashing? I believe it's after. But then, wait, really? I think so. So I'm trying to remember the order of events there because they flash the cop because they have to get back to tell the father not to dump the wine, right? That's right. Oh, and then they go to the bar to drink their sorrows away and then they find the wine. Got it. Okay. That's right. Yeah. Now it's finally clicking in my head in like, the order they were going on. Yeah, so I think you're and, right. and see, that was an embellishment that I was fine with. Like, it's a little bit of a fun chase sequence, a real, a no, really frustrating, right? Like, oh my God, somebody took the wine, the wine's already gone. It's like, ah, none of that happened. Um, but it's fine. That was fun. Like they were, they were, they would have just bulk sold the wine out of the back of the of the vineyard, is how they, it was explained. Yes. Or it would have just yeah, been be sold like when, out of a labelless bottle. Yeah, it was yeah. The how anything like that like goes like restaurant stuff or whatever, like 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 outlet clothes, like where they are like, oh yeah, we have like like cross stitched jeans or something like that we sell it for fucking a third of the price or whatever. Yeah. You're not gonna just dump all of that, but. From a movie perspective, again, and that's why I was like, you know, okay, this is way too convenient for this to happen or whatever, but thrilling. Sure, yeah, it's fun. It's fun for yeah. the for the for the ride. <clears throat> yeah, um, because I'm sure the whole thing about the wine changing color. I'm assuming that's what happened, right? Yeah, that. Happened. And so, like, that's a super compelling, dramatic thing. That happen. was cool. Uh, you know, it's real. You know what might be uh, okay. I. To go with a, a phrase that you've you've explained to me, I, I I'm not sure if this is if it's full ass or <laughs> no ass, but I uh, I was just talking about that. Bray outside, look at the light. That it, like, when Bowman <laughs> screams ass at Bo to do that, I'll, me and him went, "What?" <laughs> also, how much of this wine are we implying that he drank? <laughs> Because well, there's a lot of empty bottles around. There's there? a lot of empty bottles. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't know. I, I, I'm trying to recall that scene. I think that would have been acting his ass off. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of Alan Rickman, me and Mike, hey Mike, um, we were talking earlier today, and we were because I mentioned we were doing this movie. He's like, he's like, oh yeah, I saw that a while back. Alan Rickman did it right, just like to verify that we're talking about the yeah. same movie. It's like, yeah, yeah, him, Bill Pullman, Chris Pine. So we're talking about Alan Rickman and we're talking about him in, he mentioned him like being good in a bunch of different roles, including even like Robin Hood or whatever. Like, first of all, he acted his ass off 
in Robin. <laughs> like he is up to 11 or 12 in every scene in that movie. <laughs> and so I would say, but like, that's definitely a good acting their ass off. There's a smaller right. subsection of acting your ass off. That's not necessarily good, but sometimes when you say that someone has extra ass, it's because they're trying to act really hard, but failing. And I wouldn't mm. necessarily say he was failing. It is extra though. I think he had a little extra ass on him at that one. On that one. Okay. You think yeah. he had extra ass? Okay. I think Double he had a little ass. extra ass. Yeah. One, one, I, uh, one, three, three thuckles of ass? Three cheeks? Oh, three thuckles deep. Three cheeks. <laughs> three cheeks. <laughs> chuckles? <laughs> Bullman's chuckles. <laughs> Bullman's chuckles. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, what else happened in this movie? They won. Well, wait, can we that talk about that cool. scene that I talked about before we actually watched the movie, and which, or before you actually watched the movie? Because I liked the montage of Alan Rickman going to the many vineyards of California. Mm. Did you also watch it and have the worst sound mixing of all time during that yeah. sequence? <laughs> okay, it wasn't just me or my TV no. or anything like that. No, legitimately in the midst of that like eight minute montage, there was like a ninety second stretch where I could not understand a single word being spoken on screen. Because the music was so fucking loud. Yeah. <laughs> it, it sounded like, because at one point they were like yelling across the street from each other as like they like came around either side of the truck. Yeah. And it sounded like they were actually trying to yell over the soundtrack. I wondered like it if was while they were shooting, playing. they were blasting it. <laughs> it was a little actual orchestra. Huh? <laughs> it was like, it was like the, the family guy distracting trumpet where. Yeah. They're playing in the background. The mob boss is screaming over the trumpet in the background. I, I, I'm now okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you two more scenes now. Ready? I'm gonna be one I really liked. Follow the one that made me go. Ugh. Before you do that though, yeah. Like I actually did like the parts of that montage that I could understand because mm. there was some fun stuff. Alan Rickman discovering guacamole. Yeah, incredible. that was good. Incredible. That really <laughs> slow chew. There's something With, about like, that. Like, he looks like he's pre-gagging. Yeah. And then finds out he likes it. Yeah. <laughs> um, the idea that they all started shaking him down for cash. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, the, the, wine, the people at the wineries are like, why are they giving us money? And he's like, no, seriously, take the money. Like, yeah. <laughs> take him for every, every cent you can. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, all right. So, a scene that I liked followed by one that made me go, What? Uh, I really enjoy the scene at the airport where we have to band together and we have to distribute the bottles of wine so that they could fly. On yes, the that, was pretty, that, pretty, that was pretty. That was fun, entertaining. Uh, scene that I did not like is when Bullman sabers the white wine bottle. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, I love that scene. Now, first granted, off, granted, no. <laughs> granted, what? But also, a good what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so when you do that with champagne, you are taking the cork off, right? Yes. You. Well, no, but you also take a piece of the bottleneck off too. Oh, you do? That's a thing. Yeah. Okay. Now, okay. What I will say is, I've only ever seen that done to carbonated bottles of wine. Right. That explode outward so that the well shards. I, I imagine that the being the fact that it's under pressure makes it easier to get a nice clean. Oh, cut, maybe that makes sense. Is my point. Um, that being said, that is a thing that people actually do, and you do actually cut a portion of the glass. Okay, I did not realize that you actually cut it off. 
Okay. So I knew he was, when he was going to do that, I was like, wait, is he going to do the ship? And then he like sabers it off. And I was like, oh my God. And then after that, I was like, does that work on non-carbonated wine? I don't know whether it does or doesn't, but I do know that the only time I've ever seen it done is on champagne and Prosecco. So yeah. I don't know if you actually can do that to normal, like still wine, but that is a really, thing that you do and you do cut the glass. I really want to try it. I have seen someone attempt it once. It was very dark out, so I can't tell whether they actually succeeded or not. They were able to pour out of the bottle, but I did not inspect to see whether the glass was properly cut or not. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I imagine you have to hold the knife very straight, the sword very straight as well. And There's a very specific way that it needs to be done, yes. Yeah. I don't know. I've never tried it myself. I've never learned how to do it, but I have seen it done on screen a couple of times, and mm. I've seen it attempted in person once with a modicum of success. Um, so I don't know. I would like to see an actual master do it in person. I think that would. Mm. Uh, and then another scene that was a little over the top, but in a good way. Well, Alan... like, wait, hang on a second Bef- yeah. before doing that though, just further on that scene, the f- element of it being the ex-wife's new husband kind of ruins it a little bit, but is a little bit like dramatically perfect where it's just like, seriously, but they didn't need to bring me. the ex-wife in at all. They could have skipped the entire scene of. They could have just got, skipped all of that. It could have. Just I mean, it was meant to characterize to Bo and his path to redemption and sure. not being a shit, but ended up being not worth the time spent. Probably no, no. But <laughs> if you take out the element of the interpersonal awkwardness there, at scene had reminded me of the the whole sequence. It reminded me of um, Ben and Parks and Rec every time he goes to yes. the county. <laughs> he immediately quits. He comes back, except except like inverted here, where he comes back hat in hand and then is like, fuck you guys, I'm going home. Yeah. Double middle fingers, fingers on the way out. But like, it reminded me of that for a reason. If you just totally altered the power dynamic. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. I actually just watched the Cones of Dunshire episode where he's oh, quitting for the third or fourth time, I think. Yes, I'm yes. really sorry that I have to do this. Oh, it's okay. I knew it was too good to be true. <laughs> <laughs> well, the best part about those stupid things was as funny as that was and as like sad as that is is the the postscript on those what that one episode where John Ralphio goes to work there. <laughs> Yeah, fired. <laughs> yeah, probably a good call. Uh, out the same way I came in. <laughs> okay, sorry. The other thing you appreciated uh, is at the actual blind blind tasting in Paris. Yes, when Rickman tallies the score <laughs> and then runs away and takes Bo with him to get changed. <laughs> it's like it's so obvious what's about to happen, yes. and just how disgusted they are that they picked the American. One of blind. them looks physically ill. Yeah, he spits. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I forgot I about that. That was that was funny. Um, yeah, that's about it. That's all I've got. That's the rest. Yeah, that's the rest so of my thoughts on this movie. <laughs> I think ultimately we kind of came to the same. I mean, you have a little bit more specificity on the things you disliked. I think I appropriately identified that both of us enjoy it as a bit of entertainment. Not as a retelling of a true event, but both of us appreciate the scope of what the event is. Um, Great. What a weird story to be like mostly true. Like just like, yeah. again, the big picture points of all this. What a weird specific it's kinda, it's story. It's fun. It's cool. 
I, I, I like, enjoyed that part of it. Yeah, like to me, like it feels like something like that should be more in the public lexicon for some reason. Yeah. I don't know why that is that I feel that way, but it's like considering how important like wine is. I think just the generally. idea that it wasn't that long ago. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> what I mean. Like this wasn't like a hundred years ago. Like this happened like before either of us were born, but like not by that much. Right. <laughs> like what? 10 years before you were born? Like it's not yeah. that long ago. Yeah. yeah that's, that's, that's cool. Uh, Plus Alan Rickman. Alan Rickman. Always good. Always good to see Alan Rickman. I would, I would like to watch more movies with Alan. I, you should watch interviews with him. He looks really funny in his interview. He's like, he, he looks half asleep. Really? Yeah. Actually, uh, I'm not surprised that he would be like low energy in an interview <laughs> because a lot of his performances, when he's not going full manic, he's very like understated and reserved to the point where if I didn't know better, I would wonder whether he was. What is your favorite Rickman performance? Um, my favorite Rickman performance is one specific line in one of the Harry Potter movies. And it's when they were doing the lessons in Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix to help Harry close his <laughs> mind off to Voldemort. And Harry accidentally sees I think this is the setup for it. Harry accidentally sees Snape's memories mm-hmm. of him being tormented by Harry's father and he says something about his father and Harry goes my father was a great man and, and Alan Rickman goes your father was a swine <laughs> <laughs> that's fair that's a just, good one. just the delivery of that line deserved an Oscar <laughs> But would Snape be your would would Snape be your favorite performance of his, or do you have something? I don't know. It's hard because that occupies such a big bandwidth of the different roles I've seen him in because mm. of the total amount of screen time across all of those movies. Um, so I feel like my answer kind of defaults to that, be, just because of the total amount of it and other situations and lines I can think of like that. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them being acting his ass off like and that scene some of them being more understated and reserved um he's great as the sheriff in uh robin hood prince of thieves um he's good as metatron in dogma yeah he's he's great as what's his name in galaxy quest dr lazar i couldn't think of his name i I think dr lazarus might be my favorite uh and and the metatron is a close second yeah (laughs) but his his him, him slugging back tequila and then spitting it everywhere. It, it's so... Also, just his his frustration with people not getting who he is. Yes. When he has to explain it again. <laughs> uh, or him... Voice of God. Oh, my goodness. Or him ex- <laughs> explaining the awkwardness of him having a Ken doll crotch. Um, yeah. Which it took me way too long to realize that's what Adam Scott was saying in Step Brothers. When the one time when Will Ferrell's walking in, it took me years to realize he was saying what's up Kendall crotch yeah um but yeah no i mean all of his because he doesn't even have a ton of screen time in that movie no no uh he's great i love him cool al do you have anything else any other notes anything you want to closing thoughts no i think uh i think we probably gave a proper amount of like and time to this movie which is fun but also probably (laughs) <laughs> bottle my, shock fun my, but probably bad my uh sorry, actually, chuckles 
I did have one other one. I had to look up real quick when you mentioned Gus just to be sure that that's who it was because again, I forgot all the characters because it's the same in the movie. Um, I have seen him in one other thing, uh, the guy who played Gus, and it was so weird because that other thing I saw him in was about the same time as this movie came out, so he looked exactly the same, and that's why I recognized him. And if this movie had come out 10 years earlier or later than it did, I wouldn't have recognized him. But he played Carla's brother on Scrubs, and yep. he annoyed the shit out of me as a, cow- as a character, but his interactions with Turk were classic. Yeah. Like They're pretty great. Of the time. He, is, he was also in The Pest. See, I don't remember. I think actually now I think I looked him up and I saw that he was in that. I don't recall him in that movie. Um, He's one but, of the best friends. Okay, yeah, I just don't. It's been a, like 20 years since I saw that movie. Um, I, yeah, he just cracked me up. Him and Turk together, them butting heads. There was a, one great joke that he's not even on screen for. Uh, or just rather, not even that it's a great joke, but just the, the unexpectedness and the way that in which he is referenced on the show um, it, did you ever did you get all the way through Scrubs? You didn't, right? No, not all the way. No. So there's an episode where they did a musical episode um, because there's a patient who, and they don't really know why at first. It took actually it takes them the whole episode basically to figure out what it is. Every time she hears someone talks, it sounds she hears them singing as if it was like Broadway tunes. Okay, and I'm not sure if I saw that or not. I, it you sounds may familiar, have because but you might have explained it to me. Maybe, I don't know, but it's, it is like one of the episodes that like, even people who haven't seen the whole show are aware of, like, it's mm. one of the ones that's like made it into the zeitgeist. Cause there's like a couple of big things from that episode that have made it out into public. Yeah. And so there's one song that they do where it's Turk and Carla arguing and it's, <laughs> it's um, it probably doesn't age super well now, but the whole point is that. Carla is trying to explain to Turk who they've been married for a couple of seasons already on the show. She's trying to explain to Turk that she's Dominican mm-hmm. because like she's one of the lines is, why did you tell people that our baby's black Um And I believe the whole like chorus of the song is I'm not freaking Puerto Rican. I'm Dominican. Oh my God. <laughs> so Turk is trying to explain the things he does know about her. And he's just like, You've got three sisters, and she shakes her head and he goes, Two sisters? <laughs> and she goes, Yes. And, and he goes, Well, I'm, uh, he goes, I know for sure that you've got a brother who's a huge asshole. <laughs> and I, I just like a totally unexpected way to bring it up. I was like, Oh, yeah, that's right. There's like three separate episodes where the two of them are spending the whole time trying to kill each other, basically. <laughs> that's great. Oh, I, I should get back into that show. Yeah, I love that show so much. Well, that is all for this week's episode of Flicks in the Six. We hope you enjoyed it. As always, if you have a movie for us to review or nuggets for us to discuss, you can send those requests to Flicks in the Six at thespintune.com. Tune in next week for more movie and bear goodness. Until then, I'm Anthony Costanzo. I'm Al Bielsi. Thanks for coming out.